here's the thing. I yeah. uh, I'm suffering from workplace harassment. Are you? Oh. You might even say bullying. Really? Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Well, basically, I have this co-worker who, if I don't reply to texts absolutely immediately, just keeps on and on texting me and ends up... Oh, hang on! Passive, passive-aggressive I texts. I see where this is going. Right, OK, let me just say this. You utter, <laughs> utter... <laughs> Your idea yeah, now that that's an example of what I'm talking about. That kind of bullying language. No, listen to me. I it's not about not answering instantly. It's about not answering <laughs> at all. It's about not answering until ten minutes before we're due to do the podcast. When I've written to you the subjects and what we're supposed to be discussing on Monday. That's what it's about. You utter utter. <laughs> Yeah, see, listeners, this is the kind of uh, language and behaviour I have to put up with. I'm going to call for a parliamentary inquiry. Well, let me just say to that... Now, what are you doing? <laughs> are you trying to distract me? I'm just crossing and uncrossing my legs. <laughs> I'm sorry if that distracts you. <laughs> yeah, well, it disturbs me, but let's move on. Welcome everybody to episode 196. Beautiful introduction. Yeah, thank you. It's the correct number of the Mid-Faith Crisis podcast. My name is Nick Page and there at crossing and uncrossing his legs is uh, (laughs) Joe Davis. I expect we're going to talk about this, aren't we? Yes. And is this the full 40 minute argument? (laughs) (laughs) I'd forgotten that sketch. (laughs) Um, yes, uh, yes. So I'm sorry I didn't reply. I didn't. I mean, you, basically, your texts were going. Shall we record at the same time we always record? We always record at this time. No, but we? sometimes we don't because sometimes we got funerals. Sometimes you're busy. You do meetings. Things we don't. We can take nothing for granted. Anyway, I did reply to you this morning. Thank you. Well, very good. Three days late. Brilliant. <laughs> anyway, shall we move on? People don't want to listen to this. Piffle. I think this is exactly what people want to listen to. <laughs> I anyway. think they tune in to hear us argue. Aside from workplace bullying, how are you? Yes. <laughs> well, I'm all right. I'm okay. I'm. I'm. Um, oh, look! I'm really enjoying Moon Knight. I don't know if anyone is watching Moon Knight, the new Marvel uh, series no. with Oscar Isaac. Is it good? He is brilliant in it. It's uh, it's great. It's very different to a lot of other Marvel stuff, or quite different. Okay. Um, so it deals with a man with um, I can't remember what it's, the official title is, but sort of multiple personalities is the kind of okay. Um, so it's it's a lot about background and you know um, trauma and it t- takes it very seriously. It's very good. It's very okay. good. I'm enjoying that. Yeah, very good. That's good. Not heard of it. Um, I feel a bit in limbo. Apart from that, you know, because things aren't happening or things are supposed to be happening, and you know, oh. there's a lot that isn't sort of finished. Okay. You know. And, yeah. Mm. It's odd having people come and look around your house. Isn't oh it? yes, that is weird. How's that all going? Well, I, nothing. It's a lot of false dawns, really. Nothing's really happening. What's really odd is when they come and look twice and then let you know that they never had the budget for it in the first <laughs> yeah. place. <laughs> yeah, that is quite irritating. And you think, well, why did you come around twice? I mean, were you sort of just enchanted by the place, or did you just <laughs> want to have a 
closer look at my books. What do you Probably mean? your neighbours just wanted to come around and <laughs> just, have a look. Yeah. Just a health inspector or something? Why are you? <laughs> anyway, that's a really yeah, odd that's thing. annoying. Yeah. And then I was, I was, funnily enough, the other day I was the victim of mansplaining. Do you know, do you know mansplaining? I do know mansplaining. I'm sure. I, so, I fear I might have done it once or twice. I hope not, but I probably have. So mansplaining is that moment when uh, a man explains something to a much better qualified woman. Yes. But normally, that's how yes. it is. Um, and it comes. Uh, the best expression of it is. Uh, uh, I think in Rebecca Solnit's book, um, "Men Explain Things to Me," where she has a, she has a meeting at a party with a man who who's telling her, "Oh, you really, you really must uh, read this article by this person about this artist." You see, he's arguing about this artist, and so you really must read this article. And it's her article. She wrote the article. <laughs> yeah, Anyone is, believe her? That is genius. <laughs> anyway, I had this thing. I had this long conversation with somebody who has kept telling me how publishing works. You know, and, get, yeah. and and I couldn't, and I didn't know quite how to work work it because you don't want to be that person who goes sort of well, you know, yeah. do you know who I am? Look up my Amazon page, kind of thing. <laughs> so, so I kept trying to drop hints about you know what I actually do for a living, <laughs> but it didn't seem to go in. Really, was really I gave up in the end and thought about other things. Really, it was my only way of coping with it. Ah. <laughs> That's so, quite funny, anyway, <laughs> it is. It is. It's. Oh, it just must be so tedious when it happens to you a lot. Anyway, yeah. uh, I'm all, apart from that, I'm all right. How are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. I went to see the Shires on Monday, which sounds like it ought to be some Lord of the Rings type thing. But oh, about horses? No, they are actually a, a, a fine country band, and they're oh, okay. they're brilliant. They're absolutely brilliant. Um, so that was great. What? what hang on. What, what kind of country? Are we talking a country and western? Or? Well, it's, yeah, except they're British, so it's not it's not total Nashville twang, but it's going that way, and they're excellent, oh. and they write superb songs, and they write very happy songs, and they write very wonderful ballads. Yeah, they're they're just brilliant. And I never had you down as a country fan. No, well, I never have been until until them. Well, that's not quite true. I always liked a bit of Keith Urban. I'm going that way. I used to hate country music, right? But it's one of those things that change as you get. And you go, oh, actually, this is quite good. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I mean, you have to buy you a hat and everything. <laughs> yeah, no, I've got one. It's all right. <laughs> have you got one of those big hats? Have you? <laughs> yeah, no, readjusting to work. And bizarrely enough, now that Easter is over, I've started thinking about Easter. <laughs> okay, well, good. Well, because I said last week, it was a bit of a non-event. And yeah. actually, the idea of death and resurrection or death and rebirth and... Mm. different seasons of the soul i found so helpful i you know i just realized <laughs> despite being on holiday i didn't really take the time out to think you know what's dying or even what needs to die mm. in order for new things to um take place or you know mm. and it you know, applies right across the board relationships all sorts of things so bye it's been nice knowing you <laughs> oh, great thank you <laughs> Well, you know, Joe, Easter Easter is for life, not just for Easter. That's exactly. Like That's how I see it. Yeah. yeah. And the incarnation is not just for Christmas, I always think. No. So, yes. Well, there we are. So, uh, <laughs> good. Well, that, that's great. Have we got any um, church notes? I just wanted to, to mention, I, again, I went over cook it because I mentioned it last time, but we have got this Enneagram Day for type number fives uh, with the excellent Alison 
on the um well it's coming up on the 14th of may which however you look right. at it is a fortnight away i mean i may have you know dropped uh, a slight stitch here by not mentioning it <laughs> much much earlier so we've had mm. a few people interested we probably realistically to do it probably need a few more so if that that okay. tickles your fancy uh drop me an email to joe at midfaithcrisis.org that'd be great but i think that's it. And, and and i meant to find out how full lee abbey was but i haven't excellent so that's the feedback on that <laughs> That's the kind of project management that this show relies on. Absolutely. <laughs> good. <laughs> Shall we move on? Let's have some feedback. Okay, good. Okay, first of all, so uh, David, uh, and now I should say some of these go back a while because we've been sitting on it a little bit. So, you know, if you, and you've been it, on holiday. And I've been on holiday. So, if, you know, for those who have written in and think, well, I sent that in a month or two ago. Yeah, sorry about that. So uh, David says, thanks for the reflections, especially on the direction with one foot in the grave. So this is a current one. <laughs> and the challenges of changing the changing world and ageing. It reminded me of something Dad said. He lived all of his life in the Moiston area. And he said this, when I was at primary school, there were a lot of old men and women around Moiston. There aren't any now. And that's from David. I'm not sure of that, the context <laughs> of that, but it, it seemed quite what? poignant. <laughs> where, where have they gone? Well, I think I mean, that's... <laughs> what, what, have they been... I mean, it's, it's rather disturbing, actually. I'm not quite sure what's happening there. Well, is Moiston sort of driving old people out? or is? You know, <laughs> it's something to do with one foot in the grave. Anyway, thanks, David. Okay. That made me chuckle. Stuart, now, here's an interesting one. Mm. This is a rallying cry, I think you'll find. Is it? Yeah, mm. because it doesn't say, dear Joe and Nick. It says, hello, listeners. I don't think we've ever had an email that starts with a direct appeal to the listeners, as far no. as I know. <laughs> so so this is it, listeners, from Stuart. Okay. He said, so today I braved a trip to church and was met with the song, I Stand Amazed. And it goes like, and he's written the chorus, it says, or, or the verse, he says, I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and wonder how he could love me, a sinner condemned unclean. He says, the basic premise, how impressive that God would love even us. Rightly or wrongly, I walked out. Couldn't bear it. I know lots of people in churches who don't stand for this kind of stuff anymore, but they sit quietly and look for ways to gently steer. Is this enough? Maybe it's time for a much louder revolution. We stand against Long Calvin, resolutely, <laughs> vocally, absolutely. Do we want our children growing up in this environment? It's time to nail a thesis to a door. He says, not sure if this actually happened. It did happen, right, didn't it? No, not really. Oh, did it? Oh, OK. He says, well, there's not much evidence. Don't get me going. OK, I won't. He says, a quiet and gentle steer or a revolution. And that's from Stu. Gosh. Well, I mean, the first thing to say about that chorus, or that hymn, or whatever you want to call it, uh, I mean, it's, I don't think it's much good, but at least it rhymes. So OK, I fair point. to say that, you know. Um, as to the call to revolution... Um, well, it's a great it's a great question, isn't it? I th I think it's that bit that he wrote about how <laughs> loads of people in churches, you know, don't really go along with it, but sit quietly. Yeah. Uh, I don't really know what to do about that. It's interesting, isn't it? But there's no opportunity to feed back. You know, you're just announced this. We're singing this. You can't say, "Excuse me, I don't think we will." <laughs> yeah, no, that's <laughs> so right. just not. It's not going to work, is it? <laughs> it's anarchy. 
<laughs> stop after a couple of lines to see if we agree with it, and then we'll carry on. Um, I mean, isn't it true that we sing a lot of stuff? Oh, people sing a lot of stuff that we don't necessarily sort of agree with, even even yeah. that we don't really understand most of the time. Yes, it's <laughs> true. Uh, whether we should or not is a good good question. I don't know. But I I don't know if we can stage a revolution, Joe. I don't feel very up to that. How about you? Uh, no, I I I think I'm ready for my Horlicks now. To be honest, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think so. it's been a long day. <laughs> but right. you never the revolution is on pause <laughs> while we all have a nap. <laughs> It's sad, but true, listeners. <laughs> well, well, I suppose the takeaway from that uh, is, it, is there a possibility? Would it be worth having a discussion about what you are prepared to sing? I don't. I think that is true that we never talk about that within yeah. churches. We never sort of have a have any kind of reflection on is this is th- does this song reflect where we are? I suppose you you can't really do it, but. I don't know. It'd be worth thinking about it occasionally, especially yeah. for that. If you do end up singing something, you think, "Well, that's utter nonsense, isn't it?" Yeah, I mean, there's those hymns that are just like theologically, you so vehemently disagree with them, so that there's a discussion to have about that. And then there's o- those other ones that are very snoggy Jesus, and you just think, oh, "I don't really want to sing this." Snoggy Jesus, weird. <laughs> Yeah. Do you, how do you cope with it? Well, you don't have to, do you? Cause no, you don't I don't. I haven't to, sung them you. You don't go years. to singy places. No. I have a number of techniques that I do. Uh, one is to mumble. Okay. So, you know, if I get to a line that I put it, and I can think of lines. Mm. There's a there's a very famous and um, heavily sung song which has a line in says, uh, the wrath of God was justified. In oh, yeah, that's right, yeah. Okay. And at that bit, I always go. Okay. <laughs> 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 or I go the. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's one way. Yeah. Um, good. Any other tips? To, well, I quite like singing in foreign accents sometimes. That's quite amusing. <laughs> I sing. I sing quietly in a German accent. <laughs> that, that, yeah. that, make, get, that gets me through the song occasionally. And, and actually, that could be quite Teze to sing in an outrageously <laughs> French accent. I believe yeah, it would be great. <laughs> so that's that doesn't really help you with the theology, but at least cheers you up. <laughs> anyway, so thanks, Stu. We're you know long live the revolution. Hey, um, yeah. Okay, then uh, Rhoda. Uh, wrote in and this was a little while back and uh, this is quite a long email so so buckle up and uh, she says this hi joe i've enjoyed the discussion on prayer in recent weeks as some other listeners have said my experience over the years leads me to believe that god has a tendency to get us through things not out of them by which i mean i do believe he has given me the strength and sometimes stubbornness to get through some really hard situations but he has never miraculously resolved those situations for me And then she says, our children have quite complicated medical histories. And when they were babies, lots of very kind people prayed for them to be completely healed. I always said we welcomed any and all prayers that people wanted to offer, but I've never felt able to pray for their healing. It feels, I think, too much like asking for completely different children. They have done much better than first expected, but are not healed, at least not in the way I think those people meant. However, I do look back and I'm often astounded that we've made it through some of the tougher times relatively intact. And yet sometimes I find myself doing the equivalent of the parking space prayer. Last weekend, so this is great. Last weekend, one of the children had a hospital admission in a city three hours from us. This was massively complicated because the other child had an appointment in a hospital at home the next day. And in the same three hours away city the day after that. 
Making this work involved borrowing a car and my husband taking time off work to allow us to get the children to their various appointments and places. Stressful, and as is normal for me, I found myself fixating on one little aspect of it all, which was the drive down in an unfamiliar car on roads which are hilly and in places winding and very popular with cyclists, especially on a beautiful Sunday afternoon as this was. So I was panicking in particular about negotiating around cyclists in this car I wasn't used to and other drivers getting wound up if I wasn't doing it quickly enough for their liking. And I probably prayed something along the lines of please just let this be okay. She says the journey was difficult. A big section of road was closed and the, and the diversion signs were pretty much go home and try again tomorrow level of helpfulness. <laughs> we found an alternative route and got there in the end of the day very, very late. And she says in brackets, another stressor. But I did not see a single cyclist going our way and only two coming the other way. It wasn't just that we didn't have to pass them. There weren't any. I have no idea where they all were. It was a beautiful Sunday afternoon in beautiful countryside. There were none on the drive home a couple of days later either. She says, did God do that? I have no idea. And it would seem strange that God might arrange all the cyclists to go elsewhere for the afternoon, but not, say, arrange the hospital appointments in a more manageable way or remove the health issues that led to the appointments in the first place. I don't know who it was, possibly Anne Lamott, who said that ultimately their prayer life boiled down to two things. Help, help, help. And thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah. I think that's roughly where I am and trying to have no expectations about what form that help will take. But I did thank God there were no cyclists on the road. And that's from Rhoda. That's good, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Well, I mean, the first thing to say, uh, Rhoda, is, you know, feel for you in all your difficulties and yeah. um, all the, the stresses and strains. Um, I did like the line in there that, um, you know, asking for healing might was a bit she felt it was a bit like asking for completely different children yeah that's a very profound and interesting thought because yeah. you know their illnesses clearly she sees as something as inherent to their who they are and has having formed them and shaped yeah. them and i think i think that's a very uh mature and positive way of well and a sign of a very loving it. mother as well indeed I yeah think. yeah who loves yeah. her children unconditionally as they are which is great and i think it, it, it highlights that tension that we seem to live in with prayer and my feelings were well it's surely a good thing to become a thankful person mm. Mm. i mean to find yourself never saying thank you because what's the point it doesn't you know that's a very unsatisfying place isn't it to be where you just think well it doesn't make any difference i'm not sure god did it so why should i be thankful that would be awful so actually to be grateful for things that are good is mm. surely a healthy and helpful thing isn't it well i think so i think i think it's you don't want to live entirely in a world of logic do you no i don't think no gk chesterton Always said, you know, it's, it's 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 not poetry that drives people mad. It's logic, you know, the the <laughs> ineluctable That's logic good. and yeah. rationality of yeah. of life. And and um, I think, I, I so I think there has to be room for a bit of almost sort of irrational thankfulness, mm. you know, because we know that God didn't sort of arrange all the cyclists to be elsewhere. Yeah. And she yeah. goes through all those hoops and talks about that. And in fact, maybe her worrying about the cyclists was not the real anxiety, you know, because often we mm. stress about these small things because they're an easier thing for mm. us to to cope with or to an easier indicator of things than the, than the big things, you know. To me, it would be the big, <laughs> all the big stuff going on there yeah. and getting to these appointments that would stress me. Yeah. But... 
but that's just a symbol of it. But I think, therefore, you can use those little things as a sign, uh, as, as a way of taking the big thing to God, you know, mm. and, and just sort of saying about that. And and also you can use the little things as a way of being thankful. Um, uh, it, it's always good, I think, to, to do those two Lamotte things, to ask God for help and to yeah. say thank you to God for what comes along, really. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah. Well, I just... I just don't think it's an either or. We've talked about this yeah, a lot. Yeah, we but have. We have. I've, I've moved away from this sort of either, either, either God is, you know, all controlling, or he's not doing anything, or, or you know, either he's 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 going to listen to all prayers or no prayers. I I think it's actually much more complicated mm. than that. Yeah. Um, but anyway, well, thank you for that. Really, really. Yeah, it was good. Email. It was good. Thank you. Okay, okay. So let's do a quick one from Liz. Liz says this. Hi, Joe and Nick. I've been listening to podcasts for a while. Blah, blah, blah. Thanks. You won't want that. He said, I had my own <laughs> mid-faith crisis some years ago and was feeling jolly pleased. That was all behind me, enabling me to listen and feeling quite smug. Sadly, that all changed when I heard the interview with Matt Tyam. And I'm now right back in the middle of it all again. The issue that is troubling me and which you may have some thoughts on is the realisation that much of our faith is built upon what Paul writes, not what Jesus said. I'm not naive enough to think that someone followed Jesus around writing stuff down, but his recorded words appear quite consistent with his acts and are loving and inclusive. Not so Paul. So why does the church follow his divisive teachings with such relish? Is it down to a need to know who is in and who is out and hence our statements of faith? Also, as Paul was wrong about Jesus's imminent return, then is it possible he was wrong about a whole load of other stuff? Where does that leave us? Anyhow, I shall keep listening while I wrestle the, with these thoughts, maybe with a good cocktail or a pint of banishment. <laughs> you remember back to those? <laughs> nice. Oh, yeah, yeah. Very fine, good. A fine ale. <laughs> yes. It says, at least I know MFCs are survivable as I made it through my previous one. Keep up the good work. The episodes never fail to make me laugh. So there you go from Liz. Um... Yeah, so obviously reacting to some stuff written by Paul, and it's been mm. a while since I've reacted to some stuff written by Paul, I must be honest. Um, I want to recommend a book, if mm. I may, and that is Steve Chalk's book, The Lost uh, Message of Paul, um, because his contention that is, is it's Paul who's widely misunderstood. Mm. That actually Paul was the great includer. He was an absolute revolutionary and he was working in a specific context at a specific times trying to bring these radical teachings of Jesus to the sort of general populace. Mm. So um, I wonder, Liz, if that, you know, it might be helpful to um, to read through that at least um, to give Paul another look for before he's written off. Well, I think that's the point, actually. I think it's not, uh, the, the, you know, one of the things is to go back to what, what is written mm. and um, that might that won't clear up everything at all because actually it can, can mm. sometimes leave you more confused than you were before. But at least you're going back to the source. I think much of our faith is not built on what Paul wrote necessarily, but it's built on what people wrote about what Paul wrote. Yes, I agree. That is the problem. Yeah. Well, that's both the joy and the problem. In other words, you know, we our faith is built on doctrine and theology of, of good and bad and and all sorts mm. written about scripture so it's not only what paul wrote much of our faith is based mm. on what people have written about what people wrote down what jesus said yes exactly i'm not even sure if that makes sense but uh, you know what you know <laughs> i think i followed you <laughs> hang on let's try it again much of our faith 
is that says, no there's an extra step you see says, much of our faith is based on what people have written about what people wrote down recording in greek what jesus said in aramaic <laughs> yes <laughs> so <laughs> so quite a lot of steps in there now I think about it. Mm. So so you know I think um you always need to test don't you and mm. but to go back at least to the source to go back to the the original as best we can helps. I I've always found it really uh re- refreshing to to read Paul and try and take off those blinkers because I think yeah. you see a much less certain person than he's often depicted. And I tell you what, when I read Paul in Eugene Peterson's The Message, mm. that um, I found really helpful. I preferred mm. I preferred the message version of Paul's writings to, say, the Psalms and even the Gospels. Right. Yeah, yeah, I really did. Yeah. I really did, because I think he's so wrestled with them. But also, she is right. I think Paul probably did think Jesus was coming back much, much sooner uh, in that well, they all did. Sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, all the early yeah, church yeah. did, and so, that's why they had to recalibrate. Yes. Um, I think that's an important point because I think mm. that we forget that Paul um, is not, you know, divine. That's the thing. Yeah. The fact that it's in the Bible doesn't actually mean that all of it yeah. really holds together. There are bits yeah. in Paul that, that just don't really work. But yeah. we could talk about this at some other episode. Maybe we'll pick okay. up on revisiting Paul and see what we think. Yeah. Because you actually sound like you know what you're talking about. Which, well, yeah. that is the trick, Joe. Would, would I su- sound like I know surpri- what I'm talking about. Which would surprise me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, well, you know, you there, know the truth. There's a first. <laughs> anyway, <look. laughs> well, all I can do is talk about the things that wrote, people wrote about what Paul wrote. Yeah, I can't exactly. even understand them. It's getting silly, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, now, here we go. Andrew says this. He says, I thought I'd jump in with my size 10s and bring up the problem of evil, which I suspect pops up in most faith crises. He says, now, in one of your podcasts, you were clear that you wanted people to know that God loved them. You're right. We've, we've said that over and over. He says, this is great on one level, as I think that proper Christians hold dodgy Christians to ransom by making them think that God will stop loving them if they start asking the wrong questions. However, I think it needs more meat on the bones. People who feel they are on the wrong side of God might be more likely to interpret the difficulties of life as divine punishment compared to non-believers. As such, reassuring them that God loves them might be as useful as reminding people with anxiety that they'd be happy if they just stopped worrying so much. A Christian guy in his 20s in the church Mel used to go to lost both parents over two years, one due to a smoking-induced lung cancer, the other due to a bad luck-induced cancer. How would his life be different if God didn't love him? I know it's a pointed question, but our dear leader, i.e. Boris, has illustrated the importance of testing claims by actions rather than words. I have the original copy of the stay-at-home letter signed by Boris and will be sending a copy to our very good Tory MP for his amusement. He says, I can see the benefit of living as if God loved you and believing that he only puts challenges in your way to make you a better person. Cognitive reframing is a tried and tested intervention. But how can you tell if God loves you if you can't say what it would be like if he didn't? If Mel didn't love me, I'd pick it up way before coming home to all my belongings burning in the front garden. But thousands of people's lives are the equivalent of this in a cosmic born in the wrong part of the world way. How is God's love more trustworthy than God is in control? He says asking as a friend, not just to be difficult. Or words to that effect. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> words to that <laughs> <Yeah>. effect. <laughs> so that, I mean, 
that's a good question. We, we've got, I mean, you know, I think your credo is similar to mine. It's getting shorter and shorter. But the one thing we're absolutely certain of is God is love. Why? How? Mm. On what basis? I think that's what he's getting at. Mm. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, I think obviously solving the, the problem of evil um, is very much within the remit of this podcast. And, uh, you know, I'm sure we can manage that in the <laughs> yeah, eight minutes or so much. that we've probably got left. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I think the first thing is, you know, we're not, we don't follow a faith that is just based on observation of the natural world. It's informed by that as well, but it's not mm. just based on that. It comes mm. back to what we were just talking about. We follow yeah. a faith that is based to some degree on scripture, mm. on the Bible, on the mm. accounts there. Yeah. So, of course, we're taking God's love as, a, as an act of faith, really, mm. as we take God's presence as an act of faith. You know, that that mm. would be my first point. And um, how can we see God in action? We see God in action in Jesus. That's the basis mm. of our faith. Yeah. That, is, yeah. that is love in action. That is God's love in action. So there's that. I think, I think the other thing I would say is that your entire view of life is framed, as we often say in this podcast, by, by what you think of God, mm. really. And if you think of God as non-existent, you'll have one way of operating. Um, if you think of God as judgmental and wrathful, then that will shape your life in another way. And we're always saying, you know, you've got to recalibrate and think of God mm. as love, as genuine love. And that shapes, shapes your life. So beyond that, I don't know really there's much to say, except that seems to me a better way of living. Yes. No than not it. doing that. And I think also for me, there's something about grace why does grace why when you actually see someone forgiving someone is it so powerful why is it why do i cry sometimes when i see genuine kindness in action why does it move you at such a deep level because if there is no god and if god doesn't love us you know what's what's the biological yeah. you know um sort of evolutionary advantage of being kind to someone you don't gain an advantage over someone. You don't ensure the, the survival of the fittest by by being kind. You you do it by fighting and protecting and mm. you, you know so so what is that revealing about about who we truly are? You know, back to um John Philip New, what's deepest within you is of is of God. And what why is it that love and grace melt us? I think because they reveal the very nature of God. And mm. actually anger and wrath doesn't. Anger and wrath makes you ill. Depends what that anger is is aimed at. In other words, anger can be righteous, but it can, and it can be disordered. It can be different things. I don't say that's absent from God. I don't, I think the mm. Bible is is clear on that. But it's it's that sort of smitey smitey God that we that we've always said we don't kind of go for. Um, I mean, I think this is a great question. And ultimately, I don't think it's very answerable. I'm not sure. You know, I don't have a sure, yeah, philosophical yeah. answer because it's 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 really as big as, well, what's the proof of God? Yeah. You know, and yes, it is. you yeah. don't have that. You have. But I but, but I I'm with you. What I see as the evidences for God's love are two things. Firstly, things that exist when there is no sort of point for them existing, like beauty. Mm. Mm. and forgiveness yeah. and yeah. Uh, just sacrificial love of that kind and 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 then love of uh, you know one for one's partner and these mm. the love yeah. for your children Th those things seem to me to have their root source in something greater than ourselves yes i agree mm. Mm. 
so so that would be my my uh, first thing the second the second thing i have completely forgotten <laughs> what was the second thing i don't know well you i was really... saying it i know it wasn't that long ago either that I thought about it. But maybe the first thing was good enough on its own. Kindness, love, you know. It's... Well, that's the thing. So so where do those things exist? I think I think the philosophical principle is called contingency or something like that. There's got to be a root source for these kinds of things. And that yeah. we would trace back to God is love. If I can think of the second thing again, <laughs> I'll pick it up next week. But isn't it better to love people and to be kind? Isn't that isn't that a better thing to work on the assumption that God is love and that we should treat people with kindness and respect? And it seems to me, yeah. looking around the world at the moment, you know, oh, not, not only not only the big things, but a home in domestic politics and all this kind oh, of stuff. Oh golly, can you believe it this week? I mean, can oh, you? Wow. Well. I mean, we. I know we haven't got long to discuss it, but I mean, the, the headlines this week: the Mail on Sunday write an article. Because there's a woman opposite Boris. I mean, in fairness to even Boris, he said, what a load of rubbish this is. Mm. Who, dare you believe this provocative woman crossing and uncrossing her legs? Um, oh, it's just so ridiculous. I mean, you and I have both sort of raised ardent feminists for daughters. And um, every now and then, I guess we don't feel it as much as they. The sh- shocking misogyny in culture mm. and, in, and in the in politics in fact at the moment is is just i mean you know we i suppose we're used to thinking about it in the church <laughs> a lot of the time i think what's interesting about it at the moment is it that it's you know the sort of me too movement has meant that everything gets reported and observed mm. and you can run around with your hands if you want to waving your hands and going how awful these little things these little things but actually you know they are just indications of a wider culture and one in which you know i think i was raised you know i, yeah, I have yeah, to hold my too, hands up sure. here and say yeah. sort of a culture of sort of um you know just sort of generalized sexism was certainly part yeah. of the 70s yeah. <laughs> when yeah, i was growing definitely. up yeah um and and so it's hard to escape that but I have been thinking about it quite a lot because, of, you know, just the hearing of scandals in churches and there's all the stuff going on with, with I think, Hillsong about inappropriate messaging and all that, you know. And it seems to be almost inevitable within these kind of cultures of power. Yes. That this, That's what this I guess stuff it comes to. Yeah. Yeah. happens. And I, I don't know. I suppose the question I always have about it is, well, what level of behavior because everybody's going to fail aren't they yeah you know everybody is going to say inappropriate things you know especially men but we're going to and men of a certain age we're going to say things that we either we didn't mean or we did mean and then we you know we realize we shouldn't have said or you know this kind of stuff yeah so what's the level of failure that is is sort of acceptable in a way or what's the we can't ask for perfection from people no but but this kind of behaviour, this kind of sort of comment, and all the MPs who are sort of being investigated, you know, yeah. I mean, what what do we have a right to expect? Yes, um, what what's a realistic expectation of a of a leader, both in the church and and you know in government, really? What what do we expect of our leaders if it's not perfection? What's what's an acceptable level of failure, and what isn't? I was hearing the other day somebody. I can't remember who it was. I think it was a sort of film director or somebody saying um, the, the, the his secret of success in life was to try as hard as you can 
and to be kind. Mm. And those two things sort of working together, basically. Sort of do your best and be kind. Mm. And I think that's the thing. I think we've created a politics and a media as well, because the Mail on Sunday are extremely culpable here as well, I think, yes, for running exactly. the story. Yeah. Um, that is not kind. No, it's not. It's the very, very opposite. Yeah. And, and doesn't seek, in fact, to do the best, but to actually sort of um, accuse your opponents of the worst. Mm. And so if you go down that road, then these kind of accusations, this kind of behaviour, this kind of uh, abuse of power becomes absolutely normal. Um, mm. you, you know, we... It's it's not just sort of the the ridiculous sort of misogyny about Angela Rayner. It's it's the ongoing acceptance that that it's okay to lie as long as the right side are in power. Yeah, that's okay to lie. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. not doing the best. Yeah, I is know, it? I know. It's uh, but it's it's my conviction that actually, you know, Boris has told enough lies and deceived enough people and lied to Parliament and to the people that. Actually, he should go. But one MP did make the comment who 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 championed his Christian, referenced his Christian faith as a reason we should just forgive Boris. And I was thinking about that. And because Boris is saying, look, when if he's asked a straight question about whether he's crooked, his basic answer is, look, what people really want is for me to get on with the business in hand, which is the war in Ukraine and the rising prices. And, you know, like he dismisses mm. it as what people really want and we should move on, he says. And I'm thinking, well, look, Boris, I do forgive you. Like, I'm not going to hold bitterness towards you, but I don't think... I mean, it's back to this whole conversation about forgiveness. I think you can forgive someone, but they... You do not give them the right to tell you when to move on. That's that's still my decision. It doesn't mean I haven't forgiven you. Um, you know, because part of forgiveness is remembering and acting wisely. Uh, and part of forgiveness is allowing someone to face the consequences mm. of their actions sometimes. And that's not unkind. That that can can, in fact, be a great kindness to someone. But it might look to them like you're being unkind. You know, actually, you've done this. I have to report this to the police. Mm. That mm. may feel very unkind to you, but this is the right thing to do. And in the in the long term, that is the right thing for you to face the consequences of your actions. Mm. Um, so I don't think you can then say, but yeah, you should be forgiving me and you should move on. I think I can be forgiving, but I'll, I'll decide what the moving on looks like. Yes, you're right. I think forgiveness does not mean... Uh, keeping the status quo, keeping everything the same. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Because the very fact that, that you know, the, the situation that you're in, the job you have or the the stresses you're under might be part, might be part of the whole reason why you're falling, why you're failing mm. the whole mm. time, why you're mm. sinning, to use yeah, it. Yeah, 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 you know, yeah. They, you know, it's like church leadership. So, yeah. you know, if you've, if you've been accused of, you know, sending inappropriate texts or something to, or yeah. approaching inappropriately members of your congregation, yeah. to just say, "Well, we forgive you, and yeah. you can carry on leading." <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because little sins, no, I'm not saying that's yeah, wrong, yeah, but they're not little. The but you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Those those are symptoms of something greater. Yeah. So let's take this guy, the story that's going around about an MP who was looking, apparently looking at pornography on his phone yes. on the in the yeah. in the in, House of Commons. <laughs> In the chamber. Yeah, yeah. Yep. When I look at that, I think the biggest thing is not necessarily 
looking at pornography uh, because I think that's a temptation that a huge amount of men have. And mm. But the biggest thing is that there's obviously some addiction going on that means he can't stop. No. Yeah. Even in the most obvious place. And most public place. Yeah. 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 So yeah. he's he's either addicted to alcohol. Yeah. And he's essentially drunk. Yeah. Or he's so addicted to pornography yeah. that he couldn't even stop when he's sitting on the front bench of the House of Commons, <laughs> which just sounds madness, doesn't it? Yeah, it so, does. So to say, well, look, you know, we all fall and we all fail and we all do those, you know, carry on. Which is true, but it misses the point. Yeah, It's not going to be kind to that person. It's not going to be about mercy and redemption because actually redemption has to have a kind of active change of locale in order to to help us uh, become more whole and Mm. to face who we truly are. So, you know, I... That's why I think it's always right to report these things. You know, you mm. don't blame, you don't mm. shoot the messenger. You have to report these things because the things themselves are signs of greater things that need that need sort, sorting out in yeah. our lives, really. Yeah, and and the other thing it sort of reminded me of, you know, again, without you know, it's not that we want to go around judging all the people who have fallen or done something wrong or anything, but it's just of the enormous need for what. You know, Renovare always talked about, which is the transformation of the heart, you know, for character training, yes. for yes. us to yes. to be in places where we are actually allowing God to change us, to to deal, you know, whether that's dealing with addictions, dealing with habits that are formed that are really unhealthy and unhelpful, because it doesn't happen just suddenly. It's, it's lots of little decisions along the way. And hopefully what following Jesus will mean is that we learn gradually to change the way we think about life and the world and everything, and 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 hopefully we become more Christ-like. But it's I know it's a complicated mix, but that's what it reminded me of that all of us, you know, politicians, Christians, leaders, yeah, you know, whoever we are, we've got to do some work on ourselves, really, and and mm. with God. Yeah, and that can mean that things go wrong for us, you know, and that we are we do fail. Oh. And and to 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 cycle back round, it was Paul who wrote, you know, suffering produces perseverance, perseverance produces character, character hope. You know, he's very interested in that whole th- yeah. side of how the 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 difficulties, the fights we have in our lives, the addictions, the the mm. struggles, the the bad things that happen to us. We've got a choice about whether they move us towards the grave or out of the grave. You know, whether whether they produce perseverance and character and hope or whether they actually plunge us further in that. Um, I think it's a very difficult one, but I, I would come back to maybe Maybe it's linked to that thing we were talking about love. You know, to, to love somebody is to want the very best for them. And that actually doesn't necessarily mean them staying where they are. Mm. It it. it it means that very difficult work you were talking about yeah. of, of character work and, and, and helping people to become more the person um, they yeah. were supposed to be. Oh, I've just remembered the second point. Oh, what but was not, it? Well, I think it was about our very existence being a sign of love. Oh. You know, that we that, that I've had this fundamental belief that we're loved into being, but and that's linked with what I'm just talking about, that, you know, that our, our goal is to become more the person whom God, loved into being in the first place that's a very kind of quick way of of (laughs) should we pack pack this in now yeah i think we should but i really like that second point i really like it maybe we'll talk about it more next week isn't that about 
Paul's stuff about you know our life is hidden in Christ and everything. Yes, you know that yes. who we truly are is hidden in Christ. So get to know Christ and at the same time discover who you truly are. I mean, I don't know. Well, I'll think about it a bit more and then we'll come back to it <laughs> yeah, next week, no, shall we? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just feeling a bit sorry for the listeners. So. <laughs> well, they could, they've. I don't think there's any of them left, Joe. No, I think I they stopped think a while now. back. Well, I'm not surprised. There'll be less than 17 now. Yeah, well, <laughs> one of them's quite getting on a bit, isn't he? <laughs> He's probably fallen asleep. Anyway, listen, we should stop. And uh, it's been it's been a lovely it's been lovely talking to you. Well, it's I've lovely really talking to you that. as always. A sheer joy. Yeah. yeah. Thank you to everyone who listens. Thank you to everyone who contributes. Thank you to everyone who sends emails in. And yeah, we love them. Uh, you know, please do keep them coming. Um, and uh, yeah, we, we we will try and not answer any of your questions in the future uh, to the same extent that we've done this episode. <laughs> and level of incompetency, if we can remember, even. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, I, it's, but it's quite good, isn't it? In a way, because I've I, I think I did the introduction quite well this time. Yes, you did. You, that was that was one of the best we've had for a long, long while. But I saved my incompetent yeah, forgetfulness, sadly, for much later in the podcast. <laughs> well, isn't that life? Yeah, it is. Really. Embrace it all. Accept it. <laughs> anyway, we will be back with you next week. Yeah, we look have. forward to it. Bless you, folks. <laughs>